New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. Right, daily motivation for African Americans. That's what our appetizer here today. And today's title is The Land of Milk and Honey. The Land of Milk and Honey. And our quota today comes from Harriet Tubman. Uh, she's the conductor of the Underground Railroad. And she says this, and I quote I had crossed the line, I was free. But there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land. Aaron Thomas says this, and I quote, I had crossed the line. I was free. But there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land. I was a stranger in a strange land. And here's, the, uh, here's our passage of the day from Daily Motivation for African-American Success. Let's read. Harriet Tubman was a woman who devoted her life to helping slaves escape their bondage. In her youth, she had been hit on the head. As a result, she suffered dizzy spells for the rest of her life. In spite of her affliction and at a great risk to her own life, she guided many slaves on the Underground Railroad to freedom. Freedom from slavery is different today, but just as necessary. It may mean freedom from being a slave to what others think of us. Freedom from drug abuse. Freedom from jealousy. Freedom from trying to force others to do what we want them to do. We are free to be the very best people we can be. On our own freedom can be even more, our own freedom can be even more fulfilling when we welcome others enthusiastically into that land of freedom by allowing them the room to be themselves without fear or judgment. This is the land of milk and honey. And this way, by freeing ourselves, we free one another. In this way, by freeing ourselves, we free one another. Everybody put the console hashtag free. 
Let me read this again. We are free to be the very best people we can be. Our own freedom can be even more fulfilling when we welcome others enthusiastically into that land of freedom by allowing them the room to be themselves without fear or judgment. How many of you are allowing other people to be themselves? See, uh, Oprah says it like this. It says, when people show you who they are, that's you no know, Maya Angelou, when people show you who they are, believe them. So once you know who a person is, once you know how they operate, how they act, once you know how they react, will you allow them the freedom to be themselves? See, too many of us, we're always trying to change other people, but we refuse to change ourselves. Uh, let me say that again for the people in the back. I think the people in the back didn't hear me that time. We're always trying to change other people, try to get them to be how we want them to be. But yet at the same time, we refuse to change ourselves. That's a little backwards. That's a little backwards. Allow other people the room to be themselves. And then you can choose, hey, do I want to keep on kicking it with them or not? That's how they're going to be. I see how they operate. Am I going to keep putting myself in that situation or not? That's up to you. But at least you recognize this is how this person is. And more than likely, this person ain't changing no time soon. Well, guess what I can change? I can change if I want to be in that company. I can change if I want to be around them. I can change if I want to call them. I can change if I want to pick up the phone. Freedom, allowing others the freedom to be themselves. Now, here's our quote of the day. What's going on, Kayla? Hopefully you got the message, Kayla. I, 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 I kept you in there for a little while. I said, she don't come around. Here's our message of the day, our quote of the day. Repeat after me. Oh, here's what you want to allow to take root into your heart, your subconscious, then you're allowed to grow and develop and cultivate by repeating it over and over and over again. Our, 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 our affirmation of the day, I'm sorry. Repeat after me. Today, I will free myself by freeing others of my unrealistic expectations of them. Again, today, I will free myself by freeing others of my unrealistic expectations of them. How many guys, be honest, say that you have had some unrealistic expectations of other people? I would venture to say that these unrealistic expectations are normally the expectations that you don't say, but you think. You think it, but you don't really communicate it, but you have these expectations in your head, but they go unspoken. Again, our affirmation of the day. Today, I will free myself by freeing others of my unrealistic expectations of them. Now, isn't that interesting? That I can literally free myself if I free others of my unrealistic expectations of them. Because now, guess what? I can just put the expectation on myself. I don't worry about what you're going to do because I got an expectation for me. And as long as I meet my expectations of me, I'm good. Everybody put that guy so I'm good. One more time, guys. For the people in the back this time, say it with some conviction. Today, I will free myself by freeing others of my unrealistic expectations of them. Your affirmation today from Daily Motivation from African-American Success. 
Daily Motivations for African-American Success, the land of milk and honey. A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric marketplace. We make group economics easy. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Well, beautiful people, we want to get right into the meat as we are finishing a great book that we've been reading called What Makes the Great Great. This book is written by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough, and we're in the last section as we're getting as we're talking about the greatest story ever told, chapter nine, which is leaving a legacy. And tonight we're gonna to talk about flying. That's right, it's time to fly. That's what we're gonna talk about now. Tonight, guys, it's time to fly. Let's get right into this thing. I'm super excited because we read it last week and then we're gonna read it again. And it's like, it's gonna really, really change some of your, I'm telling you, because of this book and because of what I've read recently, it took my thoughts to a whole new level and my weekend was flying high. How many guys feel like you're flying on cloud nine or above cloud nine? You feel like you're in a whole nother dimension. As you've read along with us, as you've been here as long as you could, as many times as you could, you're starting to see a change happen in your life. Just because you're changing the way you think. And when you change the way that you think, you change your life forever. It's time to fly. I mean, Red Bull gives me wings. <laughs> it's time to fly. To the German pilots who battled them in the skies over Europe in World War II, they were the Swartz Vogensen, the Black Birdman. To the comrades and the white pilots who would not fly with them, they were the Red Tails because of the color they painted their rear of their P-51 Mustang fighters. But to the crews of the Allied bombers, the black pilots known as the Tuskegee Airmen were heroes and saviors. Flying more than 15,000 sorties and 1,500 missions, the segregated fighter squadron, whose pilots trained in Tuskegee, Alabama, never lost a bomber they were escorted. A record that can be claimed by no other unit. The Tuskegee Airmen, when they were flying, never lost a bomber they were escorted. A record that can still be claimed by no other unit. And yet, it is doubtful there would have been any Tuskegee Airmen were it not for the single-minded persistence of and courage of one man. In August of 1940, Charles Alfred Chief Anderson 
arguably the most important figure in black aviation, came to Tuskegee to train pilots. He was the most qualified black pilot of the day. Though he trained countless others on the fundamentals of flight, the first person Anderson taught to fly was himself. Born in Breen Mar, Pennsylvania, and yearning for wings from the eight, age of eight, he first took to the skies in 1928. That's almost 100 years ago. He first took to the skies in 1928. Regardless as a cook by, as a kook by blacks and whites alike, Chief found, could find no one who would teach a black boy to fly. So he hung out at airfields in an openly racist climate, closely watching white pilots and eavesdropping on their shop talk. He took copious notes, recording variables and measurements and wind speeds, anything that would help him secure his dream. Everybody put in the comments, so secure my dream. What's going on, Marquise? Thanks so much for joining. My little brother, man, how you doing? Secure the dream. Everybody put in the comments, look. Now notice this. This is back in 1928. Okay, almost 100 years ago. No one was going to teach this black boy how to fly, but this young brother wanted to fly. And he was willing to do anything that would help him to secure his dream. Now, my question to you is, when it comes to your dream, are you willing to do anything that will help you secure your dream? Oh, we know we're talking about anything within reason, but man, you don't have to deal with someone not teaching you. You just simply might not go and learn. You might go to, not go to class because I don't have the time or I'm too busy. I don't have the money. All these different excuses people are making not to secure their dream. This man couldn't do some of the things that we can do today, but he did whatever was necessary at that time so that he could secure his dream. He wanted to fly. Now, that may not be your dream, but what is your dream? And if you equate your dream to flying, then what are you willing to do so that you can learn how to fly? Other pilots would talk around the hangar about tailspins and 360 degree turns. Amerson remembers. But when I walked up to listen, they would quickly change the subject. So I had to figure out things for myself. How many of you guys feel like you're in a position where you got to figure out things for yourself? Now that's not a bad place to be. I mean, it's so much. It, it, I mean, sometimes it's even better when you figure it out for yourself. You value it a little bit more when you had to go through all of the work in order to figure it out for yourself. Some of you guys just need to go to work. You just got to figure it out. Start trying some stuff. Play around. Do something other than just sitting there hoping, wishing, praying. Do something and go to work to figure it out. Chief was fearless in tackling assignments that would terrify others. He coached loans out of a few close friends and purchased his own plane, a $2,500 Veli Monaco, on a small private strip near his hometown with clipboard notes in one hand and a throttle in the other. Chief sat nervously in the cockpit of the aircraft, his heart racing faster than the engine. Comprising his own safety, this pioneer would attempt his first takeoff and landings alone. Turning the pages of his fight plan, Anderson was clearly in his element. He stared at the controls and recited the code phrases. Fuel, check. Oil pressure, check. At atrometer, check. Tachometer, check. Finally, 
He was ready. Everybody put it down so I'm ready. After you did all your learning, after you did all your check, 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 dotting your eyes across your T's, you finally are ready. Finally, he was ready. Or at least he thought he was. Anderson sent up a quick prayer, pulled back on the wheel and whispered, I guess it's time to fly. Banking sharply to the right, Anderson swooped back over a verdant carpet of piney woods and farms in eastern Pennsylvania, and eventually his aircraft came coasting down. A man who rarely talks about himself, chief remembers his maiden voyage as no big deal. I never gave it much thought. In those days, it was taboo for blacks to fly, but if you had access to a plane, you could learn to use it. Flying was something I wanted to do since I was a child. Did it take faith? You bet. Courage? I guess. But I was determined. But I was determined. To me, flying is like breathing. There's something to be said about a man or woman who is determined to do the thing which it is that they want to do. He was determined, regardless of how scared he might have been or whatever the case may be, the biggest thing was that he was determined to fly. What is it that you're obsessed about? What is it that you want above all other things that you're saying, I am determined to get this. I am determined to do this. I'm determined to accomplish this. Well, my life is gonna be used to this because I'm determined. Not that I want it to happen. It's gotta happen. And I'm gonna do whatever I need, right? I'm gonna do anything that I can to make it happen. See, that's what determination does for you, folks. It puts you in a position of making it happen. See, a lot of people, they watch it happen. Some people are part of it and they're they around it happen. But there's only a few. There is only a few who will make it happen. Words of Anderson's achievement spread and along with it, his reputation. Soon, he began preparing for a commercial license, studying meteorology and engine mechanics on his own. In 1933, Chief and an associate, Dr. Albert Forsythe, made their first showcase flight, a transcontinental jaunt from at the Atlantic City to Los Angeles. The flight, the first round trip cross-country effort by blacks, was made in a 95 horsepower Fairchild, Fairchild, far from state of the art. The two men did it without navigational instruments. They did it without a radio. They even did it without a parachute. Airborne, they puzzled out their locations with the Rand McNeely road map until it blew away. Poor lighting at night forced them to hold a flashlight to the window. Even so, they arrived at a Los Angeles airport in two and a half days to a mostly black crowd of 2,000 proudly applauding. Now I see some key words in this. The two key words that I see are even so. Another word to say that you can use for that is nevertheless. Or another word you can say, regardless of the situation, they arrive. No map, so what? No light, so what? No parachute, so what? Can you imagine? I'm just, 
1933. These brothers, they had studied, they got to a, 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 you know, a, a, a half of a type of plane that wasn't all the, the best, that wasn't the best part of the worst of the worst. They gave the blacks the worst stuff and they made it without navigational instruments, without a radio, without parachutes. Like if the plane is going down, we're going down with Without appropriate lighting at night, using a flashlight through the window. But even so, two and a half days later, they arrived in Los Angeles. Here's my question to you beautiful people. What's your excuse? What obstacle do you see in front of you as it relates to you securing your dream that you're like, oh, I can't do this because of this? That's what Mr. Anderson could have said. We can't fly across the Atlantic because we don't have no navigational instruments. We can't fly to Los Angeles because we don't have a radio. We can't fly to Los Angeles because we don't have parachutes. I mean, we can't fly because we don't have the proper lighting. I mean, we can't, we can't, we can't. Or he could say, nevertheless. Or he could say, it doesn't matter. Or he could say, regardless. Why? Because he was determined. And this was his dream. What about you? It's 1933, almost 100 years ago, 75 years ago. The next year, Forsyth and Anderson embarked on their Pan-American Goodwill tour around the Caribbean. In another small plane, Kristen the Booker T. Washington, the two flyers took off from Miami in November of 1934. They arrived at their first stop in the Bahamas after dark. No plane had ever landed in Nassau before, so throne surged into the roll when they heard an engine in the sky. Anderson made a couple of passes overhead before people realized they had to get out of the way. Then a double wall of cars lined in the main thoroughfare, shining their headlights to simulate, to simulate a landing strip. Their flight together, enthusiastically reported in the newspapers, dealt the last blow to the United States Army exclusion of blacks from the Air Corps. Within a month, the first training of black military pilots began. The Tuskegee Experiment, as the Pentagon referred to the training of black pilots at, at, at Alabama, produced a corps of well-trained, dedicated, and disciplined flyers who more than held their own in combat. Some of these young men had college backgrounds, some had already established professional careers, and a few were well-to-do, but all were highly motivated, possessed of impeccable character with a burning desire to fly. All will be held to the highest standards of their mentor and teacher, and only the best of the best would earn their silver wings. It was an experiment designed to fail, Chief says with a sudden tears. The program started with just 12 black shoddy equipment and absolutely no funding. We were asked to do the impossible. Thanks to fate, Anderson and his charges completed their mission. They were asked to do the impossible. There are some of you that are watching here tonight and you've been asked to do the impossible. Quite possible, you may think that your dream is impossible. You may think that the things that you, in your heart you wanna accomplish, they may seem uh, impossible. But if you take cues from Mr. Anderson, Chief Anderson, you can complete Mission Impossible.
Performance is the measure of merit. Performance is the measure of merit. Dr. Frederick Patterson, then president of Tuskegee Institute, tried desperately to persuade the federal government to use blacks at, as combat pilots. Though America's armed forces were critically short of pilots when war was looming in Europe and the Pacific, a War Department report concluded that Negroes have neither the intelligence nor the discipline to fly airplanes. Eleanor Roosevelt helped dispel that racist sentiment in 19, March of 1941. She visited Tuskegee while her husband, President Franklin Roosevelt, stricken with polio, rested at Warm Springs, Georgia. When she arrived at Moton Field, a single runway airstrip surrounded by marshes and pine trees, she announced she was going to fly with Chief Anderson. Now imagine this, the first lady, the wife of the president, came to Tuskegee, Alabama to fly with Chief Anderson in 1941. Okay? Now, what this says to me, beautiful people, is that your reputation uh, your enters doors that your, foot may, your feet may never step into. There was something about this man and the things that he's accomplished and that he's done that the president's wife you know how important that you know how important that is. You know how valuable the president's wife came to see him. He over there doing his thing, training the boys, trying to get them ready just in case, whatever. And you never know what's gonna happen. And the president's wife came to see him, a black man in 1941, and getting to play with him, a black man in 1941. Chief, what's going on, Mr. Brock? Man, we got to reconnect, brother. A lot going on. Chief recalls the First Lady's security scramblings for telephones to reach the president so he could talk her out of her, a foolish stunt. She was going to do what she damn well pleased, Anderson says. An aging photograph of that historic moment shows a smiling Miss Roosevelt sitting behind the self-assured Chief Anderson before takeoff. He took her on a 40-minute aerial tour in this Piper Cub as they talked about a number of things, not the least of which was black pilots. She told me, I've always heard that colored people can't fly, but I see them flying all around here. I'm sure that she went back, she said to the President Franklin, I was down there and flew with one of those boys. We've got to do something about letting them fly because 10 days later, we got word that the program was funded. The program was funded. At 85, Alfred Chief Anderson still haunts this airfield. A scrap of asphalt pinned between an intensive interstate highway and a mosaic of corn and cotton fields. He has been flying for 61 years and has logged more than 57,000 flight hours, second highest in the world. Under his tutelage, many of black America's best and brightest have met with honor and acclaim. He taught me the value of self-reliance and responsibility, says Daniel Chappie James, a second black to rise to the rank of general in the United States Air Force. Benjamin O. Davis Jr., the first black to graduate from West Point, couldn't agree more. He says this, to think something is impossible makes it so. Chief taught us to stand on our own in the face of all opposition. General Davis remembers he was somebody we could look up to. In 1990, Anderson 
was inducted into the Gallery of Iron Eagles, an international society that recognizes those who have made the greatest contributions in the field of flight. Though he has received hundreds of awards and citations, none was more fitting. His name is now enshrined with the likes of Charles Lindbergh, Chuck Yeager, and Amelia Earhart. He is a positive influence on countless people whose lives he touched. He, by believing in them, he has helped others to believe in themselves. I'm gonna repeat that again for the people in the back. By believing in them, he's helped others to believe in themselves. Well, my brothers and sisters, is it possible that there's someone who is looking up to you right now and they may not believe in themselves, but by you believing in them, they can start to believe in themselves. Will you lend out your belief? This is what Mr. Anderson did. A brother of devout character and done a lot of stuff, but his biggest part was that he believed in other people. And that helped them to believe in themselves. Who needs your belief today? Who needs your belief today? Now, you know, I was reading, I was like, what the hell was this? When I was in middle school, elementary school, high school, and this thing called Black History Month came around. Well, I ain't never heard about Chief Anderson. In Tuskegee Airmen, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> in the annals of Black History, Chief Anderson's place is secure, says Colonel Roosevelt Lewis, a Vietnam veteran and one of his star pupils. But in the realm of achievement, he stands alone at center stage. Though ridiculed and scorned, he seemed destined for greatness. He is a living legend. Chief demonstrated that out of simple beginnings, each of us can carve out something glorious. A man of few words, his favorite saying is this, performance is the measure of marriage. He taught the science of flying, but he instructed us on the art of living. Now each of us can fly as high as we wish in life as well as the sky. And I believe Chief Anderson wants to say that to you too as well today, brothers and sisters, that you too can fly as high as you wish in life. That you too can fly as high as you wish in this thing we call life. Mr. Anderson. This brother crazy. I mean, he has some crazy faith. I mean, my, I mean, to go up in a plane with no parachute, I mean, we wouldn't even do that today. But this brother was determined. He said, man, if I'm going down, I'm going down. If it's my time, it's my time. Man, they got over from Atlantic City to New York to Los Angeles in two and a half days with no, I mean, with no, that's just crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine what that what that plane felt like? I mean, it ain't like riding today. I mean, that was probably one of the most dankiest planes ever. But they got there. Then he got over to Bahamas. He was the first person, first person to ever land in Bahamas in Nassau. Come on now. It's back in 1930, 1940. We're in almost 2020, and some of us are still making excuses while we have not pressed forward to secure our dream. 
See, reading stuff like this, it gets me, it gets me to the point where I be like, I ain't got no excuse. I can't make no more excuses. If this man didn't make no excuse, we ain't had no parachute. This man didn't make no excuse, we ain't had no navigational instruments. This man didn't make no excuse. Then what? Who the hell am I to be making excuses about something so trivial that I ain't gonna get up every day and go to work to secure my dream? This is why we study. This is why we must read, and we must read history to learn the truth about what our brothers and sisters went through and what they came out of and what they experienced to get to wherever they is, whatever legacy they left. So we can be inspired to leave a legacy of our own. What's your excuse for not doing all that you can? They, they wouldn't even teach the brother to fly. And at the end of 90, 69 years of flying, uh, 95 years old, he's in the he's in the like the Hall of Fame of flying. And they wouldn't teach him to fly when he first wanted to, when he first decided to. He said, "I'm gonna get what he said. I'm gonna teach myself." He didn't let he didn't let the he didn't let the school system stop him. Right? He didn't let the college university stop him. He said, y'all ain't gonna teach me, guess what? I'm gonna teach myself. Now I've met plenty of brothers and sisters who took that same approach, regardless of what they said, regardless of what they said I was qualified for, regardless of what they said that I could do. Whatever they, they wrote about me, whatever they said about me, it didn't matter. Cause I could take things into my own hands and I could teach myself. See, my mentor taught me this. He said that formal education will make you a living, but self-education will make you a fortune. And I know too many of us who simply won't teach ourselves. See, it's so much easier to complain about what somebody isn't doing for us when we're, guess what? Just like Elijah Muhammad said, just like Louis Farrakhan said, we can what? Do for self. 2019 going to 2020, we've got access everything we want in the world. We can look up whatever we want on Google. We can go to the library. We can see stuff happening all over the world. We got access like we never had access before. You can teach yourself whatever it is that you want to learn. Most of the stuff you need, you got to go to YouTube University. What's your excuse? Well, you got access like we've never had access before and you can teach yourself. You can teach yourself how to get out of debt. You can teach yourself how to cook. You can teach Yourself. So begs the question, how high will you fly? Mr. Anderson, man, you know, you can fly as high as you wish. Question is, how high will you fly? Your future, like a block of pure marble, stands untouched before you. And your abilities or talents and gifts, you hold the chisel and the mallet. The dramatic story of Chief Anderson's persistence and fierce determination is a perfect illustration. The world has a right to expect a work of art. You have been given freedom, opportunity, and life. The greatest gift of all. What will you hammer out? Given the resources at your command, society expects you to be a refining, uplifting force in your community. An inspiration to those trapped by poverty and ignorance. A man or woman of character and distinction. Great advantages bring great responsibilities. Will you shatter the block in an unsightly piece of stone or will you call out a monument of grace and beauty? 
assembled to future generations that will tell the story of the man or woman who flew with eagles. You have been superbly equipped. You have been entrusted with God-like gifts. And now you have been commissioned to do something far from the ordinary. You've been commissioned to leave a legacy. You've been given the instructions. Your hand is on the throttle. How high will you rise? How high will you fly? How high will you fly? What will be said about you? A quick word from our sponsor. about you. When it's all said and done, what will others say about you? What does it all come down to? We sweat and labor to find our place. We take ourselves so seriously, overreacting to the insignificant events of each passing day. Then finally, even the kindest and the wisest among us upon our death, all these experiences fade into history and our lives are summarized in a 20-minute speech and a moment of silence. It hardly seems worth the effort. But when your moment comes, because it surely will, what will be said about you? How will others describe your moment on earth? Did you give it your all? Did you do your best? Did you scatter flowers as you walked this path? Did you? Did you utilize your talents, those gifts at birth, so endowed to you by God Almighty? Did you develop a burning desire that is required of all achievement? Did you stand up for the rights of others against the undesirable influence and threats of enemies? Did you work faithfully to make the best of your opportunities? Did you save your money so that you could pay your way in this world and yet be generous to those in need? Did you master money or did you allow money to master you? Did you bathe each day in a golden glow of enthusiasm? Did you render more and better service than that which you were paid for? Did you love your fellow human beings without regard to race, creed, or color? Did you forgive and forget those that may have harmed you? Did you accept full responsibility for the successes as well as the failures in your life? Did you seek the seed of triumph in every adversity? Did you share yourself with others without expecting reward or payment in return? Did you abide by the golden rule? Did you know the greatest blessing? Peace. Did you know the greatest obstacle? Ignorance. Did you know the greatest challenge? Understanding. Did you know the greatest mistake? Conformity. Did you know the greatest race? The human race. Did you know the greatest strength? Faith. Did you know the greatest weakness? Pride. Did you know the greatest word? Thanks. Did you know the greatest among us, whoever serves? Did you know the greatest message? 
hope. Did you know the greatest of these? Love. Did you pray? Did you do your best? Did you remember the great commission? You've been commissioned to leave a legacy. What will be said about you? What will others say about you? What will be said about you? When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Now, what's very interesting about this uh, this this quote or the, from uh, this, uh, I think it's an Indian quote. Um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Here's what I want you to really understand about that: that the teacher is always ready. Everybody put in comments below. The teacher is always ready. The teacher is always ready. So it's coming upon the students to get ready. It's coming upon the student to come to class. It's coming upon the student to come to the workshop. It's coming upon the student to get to the seminar. If the teacher is always ready, we teachers are waiting on you, the student. See, as a teacher, I'm just waiting on the student. I'm just waiting on you. Just waiting on you to get ready. Just waiting on you to join the club. Just waiting on you to come along. The teacher is always ready. But the teachers find themselves waiting on the students to get ready. You now hold in your hands the keys that will assure your own greatness. Apply all that you have learned. With these ideas, you can experience peace and abundance far beyond your fondest dreams. Furthermore, these virtues will bring you a wealth of happiness. Do you believe in the magic of these words? By itself, this message alone can change the world. Just think, society spends its days seeking peace and fulfillment only to secure limited results. Why? Infinite intelligence provided the means by which humanity could possess peace of mind and gave every individual access to these means. Why then do some go through life in prison in a jail of their own making. Why then do some go through life in prison in a jail of their making? If 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 infinite intelligence or God has given us access, then why do some of us go through life in prison in a jail of our own making? The jail of ignorance, the jail of poverty, the jail of fear, when the key that would free them is within their reach. How many guys have been across been across somebody? Maybe it's a someone that you're uh, that you're uh, that you're mentoring, someone that uh, is younger than you that looks up to you, someone that you help, and you see them struggling with stuff. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, don't you realize that the answer to your question or the answer to your pro or the solution to your problem is right there? And you see them going through all of this stuff. And you're like, in your mind, you're just like. It's right there. And I believe that God is saying the same thing to you and I. Like the answer, the, the, the solution, 
to, 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 to the thing that you're asking for through your is right there. Each of us is born free and equal. We may not walk the road of life with the same amount of wealth or opportunity immediately available to us, but each of us can go to the source of all wealth. Everybody put it down, so go to the source. Each of us can go to the source of all wealth, personal fulfillment, and happiness. The answers to these questions will jump to life if, if, if you are ready to receive them. Now, here's the interesting thing, brothers and sisters. A lot of us will say that I'm ready to receive them. You'll say that. That could be something that you say. But it, it may not be something that in your disposition, you really are ready to receive. Maybe you haven't changed quite enough yet. Maybe you haven't matured quite enough yet. There's a reason why it hasn't come yet. It's not that it wants to stay away from you. It wants you to be ready to receive it. Because sometimes even getting something good when you're not ready to receive can be disastrous for you. The answer to these questions will jump to life if you are ready to receive them. What a blessing it will be if each of us could truthfully say, I'm the master of my fate and I'm the captain of my soul. But mastery is always a matter of choice. Everybody put it down so mastery is a matter of choice. You have to choose to master. Just like you have to choose to build wealth. Just like you got to choose to spend less than you earn. Just like you have to choose to save instead of spend. It's a choice. Free will. Mastery is always a matter of choice. Now I want you to think about what have you mastered in life? Many of us have mastered the bad stuff. We know how to, we know how to test some stuff up. We know how to eat the bad food. We know how to be broke. We done mastered some things that ain't so good for us. But it's a matter of choice. You can turn that around at any point in time and you can, you can start mastering the good life. From this day forth, you are invited to become a master of your life. Will you accept the invitation? I must warn you, it won't be easy. Succeeding never is. Answer yes and you will set yourself apart by marching towards your true destiny. When that occurs, you will be poised Instead of tense, you'll be confident. Instead of confused, you'll be and, and you'll be bold instead of timid. You'll begin to explore places where no other man or woman has ever gone before. You'll experience your infinite impossibilities. Answer no, and you may turn your back on your destiny, the rich legacy that life has set aside for you. But you must choose. Are you willing to pay the price? and extract the secrets hidden within these pages. The choice is yours and yours alone. And the author ends this chapter, and obviously and quite honestly this book, with a poem from every eight guest. And it goes something like this. I think I can get it right this time. It goes something like this. We'll read this a couple of times. From Edgar A. Guest. Here we go. Somebody said that it couldn't be done but he with a chuckle replied that maybe it couldn't, but he would be one who wouldn't say so till he tried. So he buckled right in with a trace of a grin on his face. If he were, he hit it. He started to sing as he tackled the thing that couldn't be done. And he did it. 
Let me repeat that again. I like that. I kind of roll out the tongue a little bit. I'm getting good, good at that. I'm getting good at this thing. Edward Edgar A. Guess. Somebody said that it couldn't be done. But he would have chuckled replied that maybe it couldn't, but he would be one who wouldn't say so till he tried. So he buckled right in with a trace of a grin on his face. If he worried, he hit it. He started to sing as he tackled the thing that couldn't be done. And he did it. What is it, my beautiful people? What is it, kings and queens, that's in your life, that's in your dreams, that's in your aspirations, that's in your goals, that's in your mind, that's in your hopes, that's in your prayers? That you may be saying, or someone else has said, that it can't be done. But specifically, they might have said that you can't do it. But just like Edgar A. said, you buckle right in with a trace of a grin, put a smile on your face. You started to sing as you tackled this thing that everybody else said couldn't be done, but guess what? You did it. And in the process of doing whatever it is that God has commissioned you to do, you have the greatest story ever told. Your legacy. The greatest story to be told is your legacy. This is the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, it says, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village, and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit. The music. New, new, new black, new. It's the new black Wall Street Book Club. With your host, Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Yeah. Now you ain't gotta leave the computer. But we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the new black Wall Street. Book club. Book club. Yeah. The new Black Wall Street.